Hey, let's be happy. Peace be to you, brothers and sisters. 那个读书兄，兄弟公义，伟大的神，奇妙救恩，这个系列的信息。Let's continue in our series, God's righteousness, a great God, amazing salvation. 今日读书兄，罗马书第十一章。In our text can be found in Romans 11, uh, chapter 11. 饮醉数完。Remember the spring when you drink water. Let me briefly explain the meaning or the reasoning behind our our sermon title. What do we mean when we say remember the spring when you drink water? Because during that time there were there were no water distribution company. It's not like you can go home, open the tap, and have water. People have to find. The source of their drinking water. So when they drink, they drink water. So every time 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 they drink, they drink water. It's telling us or reminding us not to be forgetful. And our topic today is is a reminder for us not to not to forget. The origin of our salvation. Uh, salvation is a gift for us from God through the people of Israel. So we should never oppose Israel or the people of Israel. Because our blessings flows from them. So Romans chapter nine to eleven. This discusses about the question of the salvation of the Jews. And we have already discussed that these three chapters have five questions. The first question is: Has God's word or God's promise failed? Is God unjust? Why does God blame us? The fourth. What shall we say? And the fifth is: Has God rejected His people? Romans chapter eleven. We'll talk about and and answer the fifth question. Has God rejected His people? Paul said no. For all Israel shall be saved. In fact, Romans chapter eleven can be divided into four points. The first twelve verses talks about God not rejecting Israel. Because God has prepared a remnant. From verses thirteen to twenty-four, talks about Gentiles, Gentile believers. Um, they must take heed. This is a warning. This is a warning. This is a warning. From verses 25 to 32, talks about all Israel will be saved. And this this talks about salvation. From verses 33 to 36, this is Paul's praise to God. And he, here he is praising God. So yeah. So, so Romans chapter eleven discusses these four contents: remnants, warning, salvation, and praise. First, let's look at the remnant. The first twelve verses. Look at first one. I asked, then Paul said, "Did God reject His people by no means?" 
Paul was very adamant in saying, No, God did not reject his people. Because there are three proofs that Paul presented in these 11 verses. The first, because God has left a remnant for Israel. This, uh, this story of, or the, the message of remnant is a very important message that can be found in the Bible. God has, has this uh, blessing of, of uh, chosen of choosing the people of Israel. He will never perpetually reject the people of Israel. Because God himself is faithful. From the time of Abraham until the time of Paul. In fact, from the time of Paul until the present day. There always there are always uh, a group of remnants from the people of Israel. There will never be a time in, in throughout history that there will be no Jews in the world. And history in itself is our proof. Paul here presented himself as a as a proof. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, before Paul became a Christian, he was called Saul. Saul was one of those who heavily persecuted the church. But God has set him apart to be the, the preachers or the uh, missionary for the Gentiles. Paul himself was a remnant. Paul here presented another proof. He, so, he presented the story of Elijah. Because during that time, King Ahab uh, destroyed all those who are believers or followers of the Lord. So Elijah thought, mistakenly thought that he alone was the, the one sole survivor among those who revered the Lord. So in verse 3, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And how did God respond? Verse 4. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed uh, the knee to Baal. So the number of remnants God has, has left behind is 7,001. Paul here was trying to prove something very important. It seems like God has rejected the people of Israel. Because the country has been desolate, the country does not exist anymore. But there remains a group of remnant being protected by the Lord. In every era, there are people, there are remnants of true Israelites that God has chosen. So that God has not completely rejected Israel. We know that during Second World War, 
and uh, Hitler, uh, uh, Hitler from Germany has killed about 6 million Jews. Because it was his, Hitler's desire to, to exterminate the Jews. But God has chosen to preserve a number of, of Israelites. So in May 14, 1978, is the country, the nation of Israel was revived. You know, as we look, out, look throughout history, there was never a, a time where in a country that has been eradicated or desolate for 500 years and that has been re-established. Israel has been desolate for more than 2,500 years. And then they have re-established their nation. This is a miracle. Why? Because God has preserved for that nation a remnant. There are about 9 million uh, people of Israel that's there in the nation. Of course, this does not, does not include those out, living outside Israel. God has not rejected the people of Israel. Second, Paul wanted to prove another thing. God has not rejected the people of Israel. On the other hand, it was those hardened Jews who had rejected God. Look at verse 7. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. We know remnant uh, is our, uh, we refers to a small number of people. So the majority of the people had been rejected by God. How do we explain this? Here Paul uh, wanted and uh, brought out a very important perspective. It is not God who rejected man, but it is man, the people of Israel, who had rejected God. So the, the remaining people who have rejected God, these are people with hardened hearts. They are they're very stubborn. The original meaning on, for the word hardened means thick-skinned. There are people who are, have very thick skin. They are not embarrassed or ashamed of anything. But for the people of Israel, it's not their... The, the, the skin on their face that's thick, but it's their heart that's thickened. That's why they were called people with a heart of stone. What do we mean when we say heart of stone? Regardless of how you explain and, and, and expound things on them, they will never be moved. When Jesus was here on earth, he has healed somebody whose hand was withered. And during that day, it was the Sabbath day. So before Jesus healed that person, Jesus asked all the Jews there, when it's the day of Sabbath day or the day of rest, 
Is it okay to do? Is it better to do something good or to do something harmful? But nobody answered. And the Bible said. He looked at around. Uh, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. The people of Israel had very hardened or stubborn hearts. And God has used numerous prophets, even using His own Son. And using the different uh, God, situations, environment, and, and difficulties. enemies. And God has used their enemies. And to and use them to voice uh, to voice out His displeasure to the people of Israel. Return or repent or. And it's and then shared with them the message of uh, repentance or returning to God. But they refuse to listen. So it, is, so it is not God who rejected the people of Israel, but the people of Israel who rejected God. Your church. What is our situation? You know that medical science right now is quite advanced. If you have a heart problem, there are a lot of surgical procedures and operations that can be done to rectify it. We can either do bypass and uh, through angi uh, angiogram and, and proceed to angioplasty. And, then, and we can also do heart transplant. And the people of Israel truly needs a heart, need that heart transplant. Maybe the same is the same is can be said about some of us here. We need to change our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Because a heart of stone, no matter how much you try to persuade it, it'll not be moved. But when you change it for a heart of flesh, a heart that can easily be touched and moved, may the Lord help us. Every week we come here and we listen to a number of messages. May the Lord truly help us. May the Lord help us. That we will have a very pliant heart, a soft heart that can accept God's word. That we will uh, allow ourselves to respond to God's word. The third, God has not rejected the people of Israel, but instead God has given Israel a blessing in disguise. Look at verses 11 and 12. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will be their full inclusion bring? Is it because uh, they, they, uh, peep, uh, they, they, they are rejected, they, they stumble, that, that God wants them to stumble? Does it mean when they stumble, they will not rise again? 
Are they truly hopeless? Paul, uh, God said it's not the case. Paul said it's not the case. That is not God's purpose. God had allowed the people of Israel to stumble for a reason. The first, through the the failure of the Jews' salvation came to the Gentiles. And through the Gentile salvation, the Jews will be moved to accept salvation. That's why we call it a blessing in disguise. When the people of Israel fell and stumbled, that's why God has chosen another another group of people, the people of the church, to fulfill His work. And through the salvation of the Gentiles, it will move the people of Israel to accept their own salvation. Because in the first place, salvation was exclusively theirs. The Messiah came from the people of Israel. And how come you reject this Messiah? And it will force the people of Israel to think. Is is it because we are mistaken? So at the end, they'll reach a conclusion and accept salvation. All of them will be saved. That's why God often uses our difficulties as a blessing in disguise. The perfect example for this is uh, the story of Joseph that can be found in Genesis. When Joseph was 17, he was sold by his own brother as a slave to Egypt. And he served as a slave in Egypt for 13 years. And later on, he was promoted to become one of the prime ministers of Egypt. Not only did he solve the problem of the famine that they were facing during that time, and he saved the whole family of Jacob, the 70 people. When Joseph was about to die, he looked back at his own life. And he made this very clear conclusion. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God's purpose is good. This is truly good. Joseph had to endure 13 years of difficulties. But after suffering for 13 years, he enjoyed 80 years of of a blessing. Why do I say this? Because Joseph became the prime minister when he was 30 years old. And he died when he was 110. So for 80 years, he enjoyed the blessings of the Lord. And he saw his uh, his descendant until the third generation. So Joseph So he he was there as part of five generations. God truly blessed him. His suffering became a blessing in disguise. 
for our church, this is also our case. I have no idea right now what kind of sufferings you are enduring. But never abandon God. Never abandon God because God will never abandon us. It is us who will let go of God. If you have not, if you will not let go of God, if you grab hold of Him, and you remain steadfast and, and trust Him, you will never be put to shame. God will give you these blessings in disguise that you will truly experience God's amazing grace. The second point from verses 13 to 24, this is a warning. When, uh, after Paul discussed the remnant that God has uh, prepared for Israel, here he was he le- he uh, left behind a warning for the Gentiles. Because the people of Israel stumbled, they failed. That's why salvation came to the Gentiles. But he's warning the Gentiles not to become proud. And never look down on the people of Israel. You have to remember your source when you drink your water. Because the origin of our salvation came from the Jews. In these 12 verses, there are three things that Paul warned us Gentiles about. The first, we must not think that we are superior to the original branches. Look at verse 16. If the part of the dough offered as first fruit is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. This is a very difficult verse to explain. But if you want to understand verse 16, then you have to look beyond it and understand verses 17 and 18. Let's look at verse 17, verses 17 and 18. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot had been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do consider this, you did not support the root, but the root supports you. What was, what was Paul saying here? Here, Paul was sharing a gardening method, a very important gardening method called grafting. It's cutting the branch off another tree or another plant and grafting it to the branch or to the trunk or uh, of another uh, of another plant. If you're familiar with gardening, you probably would understand this clearly. Verse 17 tells us one thing. The branches that had been broken off refers to the unbelieving Jews. Well, the wild olive shoots that has been grafted refers to the Gentiles who believed in God. So here we see two different kinds of branches. One refers to the unbelieving Jews, the other is for the believing Gentiles. 
those who unbelieving had been broken off. While those who believed had been grafted back in. But those who have been grafted in, they need to depend on the support and the nourishment of the root of the original plant. That's why in verse 18, it's not you who supported the root, but the root supports you. Paul here is warning us Gentiles. Do not boast, do not be proud. Don't boast against the people of Israel. Because it is not you who supported the root, but it is, on the other hand, it's the root that supports you. And we have to understand what the root refers to. What, uh, what can we consider as the root of the Jews? The roots of the Jews are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their ancestors. Without their ancestors, we who all are considered as wild olive branches cannot be grafted in. Today we can be saved because it can be traced back to the roots of the people of Israel. After we understand this very important truth, you will now understand what verse 16 means. What does verse 16 tell us? There are two things here. Uh, we talk about the dough and the root. But here it refers to the same thing. It's part of the literally uh, literal uh, composition of the uh, the way of the method of literal literature in Israel. That uh, two parallel things referring to the same thing. What does it refer to? The dough refers to the root, and the whole branches refers to the branches. It talks about the, the ancestors of the people of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They trusted God and they offered themselves as a new dough. As a sacrifice and holy to the God, uh, to God. We have to follow their footsteps. We need to make sure that we are holy like the, the ancestors of, of uh, the Jew. Paul is reminding us. The, the root of our salvation can be traced back to the root, the ancestors of the Jews. We are blessed because of them. So that's why you should, you should never boast against the people of Israel. This is the first warning. The second, they must not be arrogant, but instead they must tremble in fear uh, of God. Look at verses 19 to 21. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I can be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For God did not spare the natural branches, He will not spare you either. Paul 
through God has broken off the branch of Israel and crafted you in. But you have to understand one thing. They were broken off because of their unbelief. We were grafted in because of our belief. It's all by faith. One is unbelief, one is believing. There's nothing that we achieve for ourselves. It's truly all God's grace. We are truly blessed by God. So there's nothing for us to boast about. You know, there are times commit the same mistake. We keep committing the same mistakes. When God uses us, we feel like we are better than other people. See, God is using me because I have a better spiritual life. Because I love God more, you probably don't love God as much. But that's not a case. When whoever God wants to use, it's truly a blessing or a God's grace. Let let me share a testimony. I came from Hong Kong to the Philippines and I've been here for 34 years. In these past 34 years, I have truly experienced it, is, it was God's blessing and grace that's, that has propped me up. I'm not truly humble. But I truly know who I am. And I know for a fact, according to my gifts, my talents, my capabilities, I am not qualified to lead such a huge church. It is truly by God's grace alone. But we thank God. God has raised so many good co-workers in my midst. Because God knew I need, needed all the support that I can get. May the Lord help each one of us. May the Lord preserve each one of us. That we will truly revere God and serve him with fear and trembling. Those who serve God shall, should never be boastful nor proud. The third warning, there, Paul is warning us and reminding us to continue in his kindness. Look at verses, uh, verse 22. Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to, to you, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. He said God is kind, God is righteous. God is just and he, he has broken uh, those people because of their unbelief. And we who have belief have been are grafted in because of God's kindness. But we need to continue on in God's love and continue practicing His kindness. I personally believe once saved, forever saved. But I will not, I, I don't like to keep saying this. 
misunderstanding because I fear that people will misunderstand this statement once saved forever saved so they will live their life wantonly no 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 that's not the case but they feel these kind of people do not truly understand the faith that is needed for those who are uh, once saved, forever saved. Look at what Romans tells us in Romans 1.17. For it is the righteousness of God, for, uh, for it in it the righteousness of God is revealed from Faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For it is from faith, for uh, faith for faith, righteousness shall live by faith. This is not a very good translation. There are very, two very good translations here. From faith to faith, or beginning and ending in faith. It's, we can, uh, can translate it as from faith to faith, meaning beginning and ending in faith. This is a very uh, more clear translation. From faith to faith. A truly saving faith is one that starts from faith and ends with faith. Beginning and ending in faith. You begin and you end in faith. Your church. Faith is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey of trusting and believing that is true faith. Faith and faithfulness. In the original text, faith and faithfulness is the same word. We are faithful and we are we are we have faith and we remain faithful to God. Sometimes when we ask people, are you a Christian? And you would find your answer to be strange. When I was uh, in elementary, I raised my hand to accept Christ. Or when I was in high school, I raised my hand to accept Christ. Let me ask you, are they truly Christians? I have a big question mark. Because they kept, they, they kept referring to the past. But the more important uh, answer should be, uh, do I remain in the faith? There are even people who have been baptized, but they have left the church. They have never come and worshipped. In fact, some of them even revert back to their old religion of, of worshipping idols. Let me ask you, are these people truly saved? That's why I have this big question mark about them. True, we will stumble, we will fall. But, but the person who's truly saved, they will be like the prodigal son. They will return. If you refuse to return, I'm highly doubtful of the salvation of these people. May the Lord help us. Paul is reminding us to be uh, to be long-lasting, to be steadfast in our faith in the Lord. He will preserve us and help us not to fall and stumble. The third thing talks about salvation. 
Look at verses 25 to 26. I do not want you to be ignorant about, uh, of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in the part until the full members, a numbers of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Here, Paul was very clear. Mystery. How the people of Israel will be all, all be saved, that is a big mystery. We will never fully understand this. But there are three important truths that we need to understand. Number one, all Israel will be safe refers to a group of Israelites. What does this mean? There are only quite a few or a very small number of, uh, of Israelites who truly believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But in the future, a lot of Jews will come to accept Christ as their Messiah. Just like the, it can be referred to as a collective group, just like the whole family being saved. When we say uh, the whole family is saved, it does not uh, literally means every single member of that household is saved. This is in general, right? But this is only a, a generalization of uh, terms. Just like when we say CBCP is a disciple-making church. But doesn't mean that each member of the of our church, CBCP, is a disciple. But in general, disciple of Jesus Christ. But it's a, a generalization, a term of generalization that we want most members, not all members, to become a disciple. The first well, second, the second thing that we need to understand all Israel will be saved and will be saved by faith. Because there's only one way to salvation, there's no other way. It is to be justified by faith. So all Israelites who will be saved in the future, they will be saved by their faith. Look at verse 23. And if they do not pers uh, per persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Here it's very, very clear. If they persist in unbelief, they will not be saved. Unless they do not. But if they remove their unbelief, if they do not persist in that unbelief, they will be saved. So what is it that they believe in? Look at verse 26. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. He, they need to believe that there will be a deliverer that will come from Zion. They have to accept that they are sinners. They need to confess and repent from their sins. They need to uh, accept and confess the Messiah as their Savior. So remember, it, the, the way, the only way for the people of Israel to be saved is not through their effort but through their faith. No me. Last one. 
all Israel will be saved because God's call is irrevocable. Look at verse 29. For God's gift and his calls and his call are irrevocable. The people of Israel crucified Jesus on the cross. So from the angle of the gospel, they are the enemies of the gospel. But from God's perspective of being the chosen one, God has chosen Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants are considered God's chosen people. God loves them. God is faithful. God has promised, God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has never regretted his choice. That's why God continued to accept the people of Israel. Look at today's world. Do you know that the whole population of Israel, of the people with uh uh, of Jewish descent are only 1% of the whole world's population. But look at it. In terms of science, in terms of academics, in terms of commerce, in terms of medicine, and the people of Israel are always in the forefront. They are in first class. God has truly blessed and accepted the people of Israel. Not just not because they are deserving, but because God is faithful. Because of God's kindness. God it's because of God's choice. God has never regretted his choice. Your church. God is the same for each one of us. When God has called us, and we responded to God's calling. God will never regret us. No matter how many times and how or how often we fail. How many times we stumble and fall. And how many times we have departed from the church. God will never abandon us. As long as we continue to respond to God's call. You know, after I became a Christian, I, I left the church for seven years. In that seven years, I've never entered the church. And I have never confessed in my mouth that I am a Christian. But it's amazing. But God has been so amazing leading me step by step back to the church. So as I have returned back to the church one day during my, my uh, morning devotion as I read Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives in to, to intercede for them. After I've read this verse, I trembled in my heart. God has saved me completely. Because if there's no other explanation how I can return back to the church after seven years of leaving the church. It is God, it was God who truly led me back from that day on until today. I've been following God for 40 years. 
God did not regret his choice of me. That's why I've made the decision and I'm determined to follow him until my last day here on earth. Last one. Here Paul used this passage of praise to conclude the message of justification by faith. Look at verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of God, of the Lord, and, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Here Paul made this very famous statement. For from him, through him, and for him are all things. From him, through him, and for him. From him, through him, and for him. Everything comes from God. The whole world depends on God. And in the, in the future, we will return to God. Dear church, God is our Lord. Without God, we don't know where we came from. Nor will we know where we go to. Nor will we know the purpose of our existence here on earth. But we thank God. Because from Him, through Him, and for Him, we depend on Him. And I hope that you will be like me. That we will grab hold of the Lord for our whole life. In this world today, it seems like we want to push God out of our lives. And we want to live according to the thoughts and the values of the people of this world. But that path is not livable. Because from Him, through Him, and for Him are all things. Let me ask you, is the Lord our God your Lord and God? I hope that you will accept Him as your Lord and Savior, that you will find an answer for your whole life. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that we who are undeserving, we, have, we who have nothing to boast about, Lord, you have chosen us and you have made us your people, Lord. Because we know that all things are from you. All things were created through you and all things exist for you, Lord. Help us to live such a life, Lord, that even though we are Gentiles, Lord, but we are considered your people. Even though we are Gentiles by, by birth, Lord, but you have considered us as, a, as a, your Israelite, Lord, as a, your chosen people. And help us, Lord, to live in a way that will truly reflect you to this dark world so that those who don't know you will come to know you, Lord that our whole lives will be pointing back to you and not to ourselves, Lord. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.
There are 16 chapters in the book of Romans. The first 11 verses are doctrinal messages. From verses 12 to 16. These are chapters that talk about application. But we will temporarily stop here. Because on the month of August and September, we will have a, a whole church-wide campaign. Talk, we talk about master design of God. And we will in in this uh, two months we will be talking about God's master design for the family, for the husband, for the wife, for our marriage, for the children, and our different roles. So after we have talked about this master design for these next two months, we will go back to Romans chapter twelve. So next week. Let's look at a new sermon series. The master design. The master design. Let's look first look at God's design for family and for marriage. Let's meet again next week. God bless you.